Hello and welcome. Got a Friday night special going on tonight. Uh, Kyle was not able to join, so I'll be I'll be recording this one by myself. I am your host, as always, Bill Montoya. Uh, got some some fun things to talk about this evening. Uh, obviously, playoff baseball just started uh, earlier today and and continued throughout the the entire day. A lot of good baseball happened. Um, I think my favorite performance was by Shane Bieber and the Cleveland Guardians. They ended up winning one to two against the Rays. Uh, so I'll, I'll break that down a little bit more for, further on. But first, I wanted to mention right at the top that, and usually I don't start with baseball, but it is playoff season, uh, and my A's obviously aren't in the playoffs. So that's a little, I don't know, frustrating, but I think it was what we were all expecting at the start of this season um, with all the trades that they made and, and kind of the writing was on the wall that this wasn't going to be a good season, at least in terms of our production. So, um, But a couple things did happen, and that is one of them is that the, the A's brought back Stephen Vogt, and I'm sure some of you saw, because I did share over the over the last week, um, on, his last day was on Wednesday as a professional baseball player. Um, he announced that he was going to retire. So the A's honored him and Kurt Suzuki on the final, final days of their playing careers. Kurt Suzuki was a catcher for the A's for, for quite some time before he moved on to greener pastures. Um, but, yeah, they honored Kurt Suzuki, and, and he played in his last game on Tuesday, uh, went out. He caught the first pitch, and then they – called timeout, got him out of there, gave him a huge ovation. So congratulations to Kurt Suzuki on his retirement. But the real reason I'm here is to talk about uh, Stephen Vogt, and that was kind of, ah, man, it was just poetry in motion, really. Um, the guy is an, an absolute stud of a, a player, but he was also, or he is also a, a fantastic human being. So uh, his first ever hit as a Major League Baseball player came when he was 28 for the Oakland A's, and he hit a home run into the right field bleachers. And uh, it was quite fitting that his final at-bat as a, a professional baseball player came with the Oakland A's, and he hit it almost to the exact same spot as another home run uh, to put the A's up. They ended up winning that game in sweeping the Angels at the end of the season. So that was a, a good end of the season. We ended at 60 and uh, 102 so obviously that's not a great record. But like I said, this this ending was quite fitting for Stephen Vogt's career, for who he is both on and off the field. Um, I mean, it, it just gave me chills watching that game. It was, <laughs> I mean, it set up perfect. He came up. Uh, initially, they were going to sub him out, but there was a quick double play. So while they were discussing it, um, the inning ended, and, and he got to go out there and, and hit. So... Um, it, it was just fantastic. I mean, I've watched the, the play probably 20 times and each time I listen to it, you, you hear Glenn call it and then Dallas Braden's reaction and Dallas was almost giddy. It was just, it was perfect. Um, just let the moment breathe. Uh, you got to hear the crowd go wild. You got to see Stephen Vogt running around the bases like he was a kid again. Um, and his kids were, were in the stands. Uh, they actually got to go up to the, the press booth and they got to do the PA announcement for him in his first at bat for that game. 
Um, so that was very sweet. Love seeing that. Um, and it was really just a, a great send off. I wish there would have been more fans in the stands to send Stephen Vote off to, to show him how much he meant to us A's fans. And I think the reason for that being, um, as an A's fan, we don't get guys that start with us and then end up playing their entire careers with us or even come back and retire with us as players. So this one is super meaningful because, as I mentioned before, Stephen Vote made his rookie debut as a 28-year-old. Um, he was drafted by the Tampa Bay Rays. I think they gave him one shot uh, for a couple games when he was 27, but he really didn't get any meaningful playing time until he came over to the A's and as a 28-year-old. So uh, in professional baseball, if you're, you're making your debut at 27, 28, that probably means you're, I mean, you're probably not going to make it in the pros. So the fact that he even kept grinding uh, and kept turning in those performances, and, and when he finally got his major chance with the A's, he, he just took it. And, I mean, not only did he become a 28-year-old that got to play some, some meaningful baseball, uh, he actually became an all-star with us. I mean, he and he did not – It, I don't know – any other way to say it, but he had to grind his way just in just to make it on a major league baseball field. And then once he was there, he he just wanted to make sure that he didn't ever have to go back to the minors. So, congratulations to Stephen Vogt on a, a wonderful career. Absolutely gonna miss you on the on the sidelines in the, on the playing field. Uh, but I hope you are back in a dugout soon as a coach and and hopefully with with the Oakland days. I know. Stephen votes from the California Bay Area, I believe, growing up and everything. So it is kind of home to him, although he does live in the Seattle area now. Um, it would just be fitting if he if he made a, his managerial de debut with the, the green and gold. So hopefully we'll see him soon in the dugout nearby. Um, speaking of baseball, I mean, like I said, I mentioned at the top we got uh, – playoff baseball starting now um and right at the end of the the regular season Aaron, Aaron Judge has hit his 62nd home run uh many people are claiming that he is now the home run champion because he did it clean while a lot of the records are under suspicion of steroids or confirmed steroids such as uh, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds so uh, a lot of people are saying He's the true home run king, and I I just don't subscribe to that. I mean, it to me it's it's washing away memories that that we saw. I mean, I grew up watching baseball, and and I remember every I think everyone remembers the the home run chase back when Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were going back and forth. I mean, really, that's what that's what revived baseball after the strike, um, and. I think most people remember that growing up. I mean, they would cut into your nightly news programs. They would cut into all kinds of things to show Mark McGuire's at bats and Sammy Sosa's at bats. So the fact that we're just pretending that didn't happen because they were taking steroids is kind of, I don't know, it's curious to me because at the end of the day, they had to hit those baseballs. Um and hitting a baseball is quite honestly probably the, the most difficult thing you can do in a, in a sport. 
I'm sure there's some things that compare, but the way that pitchers throw now, I mean, it's it's absolutely insane. Just even imagining going up there and, and facing 100 miles an hour. So, um, it's just interesting to me. I I'm gonna put this up as the question for the the week and and put a poll up there. Is Aaron Judge your home run king now that he's topped 62 clean? Um, and the reason why I say, I mean, if you compare him to, to Barry Bonds, Barry Bonds got walked, I think, 177 times in his home run record season where Aaron Judge has only been walked like 120, somewhere around there. So he had an extra 60 opportunities or so uh, compared to Barry Bonds because of the walks. Um, and Aaron Judge is playing in a, let's, let's just not beat around the bush. I mean, it's a very home run friendly park. So he plays 81 games in a home run friendly park. Barry Bonds was playing in, uh, San Francisco and, and that park is not, it's not home run friendly. In fact, the, the right field is called triples alley because it's so deep. So I, I just think discounting what Barry Bonds did because there's this, the suspicion of steroids, and quite honestly, I, I think he probably did them. But the pitchers that he were facing or he was facing back then, they were on steroids too. I mean, it, it was the steroid era for a reason. They had so many people that were under the suspicion from Balco and, and the Mitchell report and all that. So I don't know. To, to me, you can't wipe away those records because it was the era and everyone was using them. Um, and, I mean, like I said, we watched it. We all watched it happen. So pretending it didn't happen just because there's suspicion of steroids, it doesn't make sense to me. So I'll move on from that. Um, like I mentioned before, the playoffs started today. Um, quite a few upsets if you're just going by the seedings. Um, I think the only favorite in the the seeding that won today was the Cleveland Guardians. They beat the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, it was two to one. I'd mentioned that before. Shane Bieber threw an absolute gem. Uh, and then, uh, now it's escaping me the the name of the guy that hit the home run. But anyway, hit a timely home run for the Guardians. They they ended up winning two to one after going down one to nothing. So. It was just a, a fantastic game, uh, really quick because it was low scoring, um, and I, I think I was kind of surprised by the the uh, result there, just because I picked the the Rays to advance, uh, I picked the Mariners to advance, and then on the National League side in the wild card round, I picked the the Cardinals and the Mets to advance, and all of those teams lost except. Uh, the Mariners, they won. And then, like I said, the, the Guardians won their game. So I'm interested to see who you guys have um, making the MLB playoffs. I know some of you don't care about baseball. That's fine. Um, but for those of you that do, do uh, I'm going to ask that you guys tell us your who you have for the playoffs, uh, not only in the wild card rounds, but who you guys have going to the World Series and – for me, my picks were, I, I still don't think anyone's going to match the Dodgers and the Astros this, this season. Uh, they just seem to be the most complete. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Braves matching up against the Dodgers and potentially beating them. 
Braves have been the hottest team in baseball since June. Uh, obviously, the the Dodgers had a record setting season with their with their overall record, so they've got to be towards the front in the favorites. Uh, and then the Astros on the American League side, I feel like they're just they have the best pitching, they have the best hitters. It struggle or it's a struggle for me to say that because obviously I'm an A's fan, they're a division rival, but it just seems like they're the most complete team on the American League side. So I'll get off the baseball now. <laughs> Hopefully you guys didn't put you to sleep. Uh, I'm gonna mention just real quick the Wyoming Cowboys game. They face off against the New Mexico Lobos, so obviously that is a Mountain West Conference game. Um, Wyoming is three and three and two and one in the conference, and New Mexico is two and three. I believe they lost both conference games that they've played so far. Um, and let's not sugarcoat it: the Cowboys are coming off a pretty rough loss against San Jose State. Uh, they looked really good in that game. Um, I don't really know what else to say about it. Wyoming was in that game. I think they only had a 10 point deficit going into the fourth quarter. We'd talked about it. Um, to be fair, San Jose state missed two easy field goals. So it could have been a lot uglier than it actually was, but I think the final score ended up being like 16 to 33 or, or something along those lines. Um, so, they're going to need a, a, a bounce-back performance in this game. Uh, luckily, New Mexico doesn't appear to be a great team. Uh, Wyoming's favored by three and a half points on the road, so you you would think that, I mean, Vegas is saying Wyoming's going to win this game, and I think all the things, all the indications are Wyoming's offense is going to get going soon. Peasley has had quite a few uh great performances I wouldn't say great good performances uh, he's had quite a few flashes where he's made plays with his legs or in the passing game and the passes are starting to become a lot more uh, crisp a lot more uh, on time with his receivers with his tight ends so I think Wyoming has a ton of playmakers that that can be can make a meaningful impact and I think their offensive and defensive lines are great so um, I think all of that leads to Wyoming winning this game and I, I would be comfortable in saying that they win by at least the spread uh, if not more I would say it's probably more of a 10 point game uh, so I'm excited to see it I am currently watching the Colorado State and Nevada game and it looks very similar to the Broncos and Colts game from last night. <laughs> For those of you that watched that, it was a, a pretty painful game. Both offenses stunk. Defenses looked good, but it was mostly because the offenses were inept. So uh, that's kind of what this Nevada-Colorado State game looks like. Colorado State going into this game was ranked as the worst team in the country. Nevada is not. Uh, but... This is kind of a, I don't know, I don't know if you'd say revenge game for Nevada because Nor, uh, their coach left for Colorado State, so uh, getting revenge on him for, for abandoning the program, although he took a ton of the players with him, so I don't know how many left are left there that actually were coached by him. But anyway, like I said, 
hoping for a, win, a big win by Wyoming, put them back in the conversations for the conference champion, um, and obviously we're we're hoping for a, a bowl game as well. So I think this this next little stretch favors them pretty pretty well. I don't think they play another. I guess I shouldn't say difficult game, but I I think they'll be favorites in the remaining games up until the Boise State game. So. Uh, interesting little stretch. I think they should get pile some wins up here and and become bowl eligible. And like I said, hopefully the they continue to build on what they're doing, and and get ready for that Boise State game when that when that hits. I think it's towards the end of November if I remember right. So, um, I think that's all I had with with Wyoming. Um, I did want to mention right off the top here before I get into the rest of the NFL stuff, uh, Raf, he does picks with us. He's been on here a time or two. Uh, he had one hell of a week in the pickums, and I guess I should mention that as well. I don't have the records pulled up here in front of me, but Raf went 12-4 and four last week, so he we were all right around 500 with our picks. It's been a pretty strange season. I think you've you guys have probably noticed the parity in the NFL right now. Uh, I think a lot of the teams are at two and two that most people thought were going to run away with the division. And then you have teams like the Colts that, I mean, they're two and two, but they're a very weak two and two. You got the Broncos, or I guess they're probably, no, they're two, two, two and one, I think now. Um, And then you have the Broncos at two and three and they, let's, let's, I'll I'll try to be kind because I know a lot of you guys that I'm friends with and and listen to the pod are Broncos fans, but two and three, that's probably better than they actually are. Uh, Their record is probably favorable to to how they're playing right now. So I'll, I'll break that down a little bit more later on in this episode. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of teams that are better than we thought they were going to be there's a lot of teams that are a lot worse than we thought they were going to be so it's made picking games difficult but raf really knocked it out of the park this last week with with the 12 and 4 record um we're gonna start getting buys and whatnot uh after this week so it's it's gonna be interesting to see what what teams make changes and all that and i'll i'll break that down uh let's just jump into the raiders game right now uh, they finally won. They were 0-3 going into this game against the Broncos, and I feel like this was their best game on paper. Um, they played really well in a couple games so far, but it's been like they've played good in two quarters and then played awful in the other two. Or, I don't know, in the Chargers game, I mean, they were in it the whole time, but they had the three car interceptions that kind of should have taken them out, but they were still in it right till right until the end. So I don't know. This was definitely their best game from start to finish. Even when the Broncos started to make a comeback, they, they ended up burying them with that touchdown late. Um, so it was great to see offenses finally starting to come to life, which is great to see against the Broncos because the Broncos have one of the better rated defenses in the entire league. Uh, obviously the Broncos offense has been a joke. And, and like I said, I'll talk a little bit more about that when we talk about the Colts game. Um, but 
So giving up 23 to the Broncos is not great, but it is, you know, one of those rivalry games where you're probably going to get the the other team's best shot. Um, Javante Williams went out in this game with the torn ACL, so he's out the rest of the season. Uh, Melvin Gordon had an untimely fumble that got returned for a touchdown. And Amik Robertson, uh, he had one play where Jerry Judy pushed off let's just call it what it was uh and so Amik tripped and Jerry Judy got the the completion got up and did the motion that uh, Amik's too short to cover him from that moment on it was like Amik was just activated and he was in 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 the backfield making plays uh causing incompletions uh obviously like I just mentioned he had that return um fumble for a touchdown and he was in the backfield making he was hitting going through blocks and and getting wide receiver screens in the backfield I mean he was all over the field so that was fantastic to see I love Amik Robertson I've I've been rooting for him he's a five foot eight cornerback covering you know six foot two six foot four wide receivers and it's obviously a mismatch in at least in terms of height but the kid is just an absolute baller. He does not back down from any challenge, so it was great to see him step up with uh, Rocky Sin was out. Uh, they had a couple other, I can't remember who else was injured in the cornerback room, but there was a couple missing from that game. So um, it was, like I said, great game. Josh McDaniels finally decided to start running the football. Josh Jacobs went off for 144 yards. Uh, another good game from Devontae Adams. Waller, I don't know what's going on with him, man. Like, he had a decent game, but he also had a couple drops. And, I mean, it's just been plaguing him this season. He's had two touchdowns that he, he if he just catches it, I mean, he had nothing but open field in front of him. Him and Derek Carr don't seem to be on the same page, and I don't know if that is, I don't know if that's just a, I don't know. I mean, he missed the preseason with his injury with to his hamstring, so I'm sure that's got something to do with it, but I feel like with him and Derek Carr, they've been teammates for the last three years. He's been one of his favorite targets all, all three of those years, so I feel like they shouldn't have to have training camp to be on the same page, but it seems like they're just off. So I don't know what's going on with that. That could definitely be a... Uh, something to keep an eye on if they're not able to sync up. I mean, the Raiders just gave him a fat contract extension, so that's something they're going to have to get squared away soon. Uh, we should be getting Renfro back for this upcoming game against the Chiefs. It is Chiefs week. Really nervous about this game. Um, I think they should be in it. I don't want to say they're going to win. Uh, I, I don't want to say they're going to lose either. I mean, going into the... When we were looking at the schedule, I thought they would be three and one at this point, four and one, or sorry, three and one, four and zero, oh. uh, and obviously they lost three games that they should have won, or at least two that they should have won. Uh, so it's it's just difficult because if they lose this one that and they go one and four into the bye week, it's gonna be it's gonna be really difficult for. Mark Davis to not start making some changes and 
I don't know. They're obviously not going to fire Josh McDaniels, but if he needs to bring some people in to get this turned around, he, he might do that. So um, really hope they can at least have a good showing against the Chiefs. You know, there's no such thing as a moral victory, but if you get blown out like you have the last couple of years against the Chiefs, that's not going to be a good thing either. So um, I really do think they can win this game. If, if Josh Jacobs can run the ball like he did against the Broncos, the Chiefs have a good young defense, but it's not as good as the Broncos defense. Obviously, they have Patrick Mahomes and he can put up points like crazy. Uh, they have Travis Kelsey that has killed the Raiders since he's been with the Chiefs. I think his worst performance was last year when they matched up. I think the the Raiders held him to like 30 yards, but I think some of that was Tyreek Hill had about 150. So um, I we'll see. We'll see. I, I have a good feeling that they'll at least be competitive in this game, and, and hopefully they can pull off an upset win in Arrowhead. And the one nice thing is they're going to Arrowhead right now in the season instead of, in December like they usually do when it's freezing cold and Carr doesn't play well in cold games. So hopefully that stacks up. Uh, Patrick Graham had a solution for, or at least a good game plan to limit uh, Patrick Mahomes last year when he was with the New York Giants. So hopefully he can scheme up something with the players that he has with the Raiders and, and keep it close. And if the Raiders are able to do the ball control game and, and, keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands, run the ball with, with Jacobs and Zeus, and, you know, score in the red zone. you got to score touchdowns in the red zone. You cannot kick field goals against the Chiefs. So got to put some scoring drives, long scoring drives together and make sure that you end up in the end zone and, and not kicking field goals. That's going to be the recipe for success. Now, if they can actually do it, we'll see. Uh, one thing to keep an eye on, uh, Max Crosby is on baby alert. Uh, his wife was due on Monday of this week, so we're five days past due now. Uh, if if she goes into labor, he may miss this game. So obviously we're hoping that the baby comes after the game uh, when they start their bye week so he has all the time to to be at home and, and you know, be home with his new, with his new baby and his wife and, uh, spend the bye week away from the team, and then come back ready to play some football. So get that dad power going. Um, that's all I have for the Raiders. I did want to ask Kyle a question about how he's feeling about Kenny Pickett time in in Pittsburgh. I, I already know his feelings a little bit because we've talked off air about it. Um, he was not concerned about the three interceptions that Kenny Pickett threw. Uh Apparently, I didn't watch the game, uh, but apparently one or two of them were tipped or on the receiver, um, and he provided a spark. I mean, Trubisky was not playing well. Uh, Kenny Pickett came in and scored two rushing touchdowns, uh, put the Steelers in the lead, and inexplicably they they somehow ended up losing to the Jets with the lead. Um, Zach Wilson, this was one of those that last week, when we were picking, I was assuming Joe Flacco was going to play in it. 
when I found out that Zach Wilson was going to play, I almost switched my pick, and then I was like, oh, I'll just ride with it. Um, Steelers should be able to win this game. Well, Zach Wilson was able to lead them to a, a winning drive, and, and they ended up winning 24-20 over the Steelers. So I'm interested, and we'll, we'll talk about it on the next one. Kyle just wasn't able to come on to this one just because he's got the new baby. Uh, I'm sure he's figuring out that time seems to just slip away when you have kids but uh, we'll get his deeper opinion on on what he thinks the Steelers will do for the rest of the season if he's excited for Kenny to take over as the full-time quarterback even though they have the toughest stretch of the schedule coming up face the Bills that's a a pretty tough first start in the NFL Uh, the, the number one defense from last year Josh Allen on the other side so I know this, the Bills are going to be missing quite a few players. Um, they have quite a few injuries that are, are impacting them right now, but I still think it's going to be tough sledding for Kenny Pickett in that first game against the Bills. So, um, Yeah, let's talk about the Thursday night football game. and <laughs> That was last night against the Indianapolis Colts and Denver Broncos. And... Like I alluded to earlier, a ton of my friends and family and a lot of the followers of this program, they are huge Denver Broncos fans. And some of that is just being in Wyoming. Denver's the closest NFL team. That's the team that they show on CBS every week. Um, So that's, I mean... Their dads have been growing up watching the, the Broncos their whole life. They've grown up watching the Broncos their whole life and I think this whole pairing of Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson a lot of them thought it was going to be you know rainbows and unicorns right off the bat and it's been anything but that I mean Nathaniel Hackett has been awful in situational play calling um, clock management all that stuff that's why he brought in a special assistant to help him manage those those situations. Uh, but nothing's going to, I mean, obviously he he can call the plays, but someone's got to go out there and execute them. And quite honestly, Russell Wilson has not looked like himself. Uh, I was worried about this for them coming into the season because he has not looked great the last couple seasons uh, for the Seahawks. Everyone was blaming, well, you know, the Seahawks are down. They don't have the defense that they used to have that that helped keep them in those games. And then Russell Wilson would always, you know, lead those fourth-quarter comebacks, and and they'd end up winning. Um, That has been quite evident that it's not going to be a situation that he's going to come in and just take over games. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett, like I said, he's been bad, but I think a lot of this falls on Russell Wilson's shoulders. He's missed, just straight up missed wide open wide receivers, and you'll see that if you look at the game last night, that fourth and one that or fourth and two that they went for that ended the the game in overtime. Uh, KJ Hamler was wide open. Uh, no one was even covering him on the right side of the field. And he was locked in on Cortland Sutton through that pass into double coverage, got batted down. Stephon Gilmore, I don't know why you're going after him. That's their best cornerback. But just, it's curious. And, I mean, literally, that was 
probably the worst football game I've I've watched. And you know, some people say, well, you just don't like defensive football, and it's it's not that I don't like defensive football. I mean, that wasn't defensive football. That was offenses just being absolutely unable to do anything on the football field. I mean, Matt Ryan looked awful. Obviously, they were missing Jonathan Taylor. Naheem Himes come, comes in and gets injured. So they have Philip Lindsay, which he should have been completely motivated to get back at the, the Broncos for cutting him. And he just, I mean, he wasn't able to execute. Colts' offensive line is awful. They've shuffled it around majorly, uh, especially this week. They moved their left tackle, or, yeah, left tackle to right tackle, uh, right guard or right tackle to left guard, or right guard, and they put a rookie in at left tackle. So wholesale changes on the offensive line because of how bad it's looked. And the fact that the, I know Denver was missing Javante Williams, so that's that's something, but you can't put up points against the Colts when they're giving you every opportunity to be on the field with your offense and, and scoring. It it was just crazy. And, I mean, they had a, a field goal blocked. I mean, it was just a terrible game for the Denver Broncos. And I, I know for a fact, just from what I'm hearing from the, the friends and family that I have that are Broncos fans, they are not happy with this pairing right now. Um, and I think it could get pretty ugly for, for Russell Wilson. He doesn't have that equity in him built up with the Broncos fans. I mean, he was supposed to be the next Peyton Manning where they just sign him up and, and he goes out and wins them a Super Bowl. But And look, I'm not ruling out uh, that Russell Wilson could make a comeback and, and start to play a lot better. In fact, I think he will probably next year. We've talked about that on the pod before. Um, but it's looking real bad right now. And I don't know if this keeps up and let's say they only win six games this season after you know everyone was saying, oh, these guys could win the division. I don't know if Hackett makes it to a second year, especially with the brand new owners buying it, the team for $4.5 or whatever it was. They're going to want instant returns on their investment and they're not going to get it if the war or if the uh, broncos can't win games so it's going to be interesting uh we'll we'll see how this season progresses for the broncos i did pick them to finish last because i said i think it's going to be hard for them to just bring in a brand new coach a brand new quarterback and expect things to go well and and so far that's lived up um so yeah, I, I don't know what how you guys are feeling about it. Broncos fans, let me know what you're thinking about your team. I know a lot of you have already expressed your frustrations on social media, but I'd like to hear from you directly because obviously I'm, I'm enjoying seeing the Broncos lose, being a, a Raiders fan, but I'm just interested in what you guys are thinking about. Russell Wilson, Nathaniel Hackett, um, and, and where you guys think this season's going to end up because my Raiders are 1-3, and three, and I feel like they're a much better team than, than the Broncos are at this point in the season. And I think they're going to end up with a much better record than the Broncos at the end of the season. So I feel optimistic, even though my team's not in a good situation, or, yeah, good situation, at least in terms of the record. Um, but I'm interested to see how you guys are feeling about, about your Broncos. So Broncos country, let's ride.
Uh, okay, and just a couple other notes I had. Um, Cole Beasley surprisingly retired from the the NFL after just signing with the Bucks last seat or last week. Um, this is curious to me, but I, I feel like Brady going through what he is going through right now with him and uh, Giselle both hiring divorce attorneys. I feel like this probably has something to do with Cole deciding to spend. Essentially, he said, I just want to take, or I, how did he phrase it? Something along the lines of he wants to be there as a, a parent and a husband, and he just feels like this is the right time. So I feel like the, the Tom Brady situation with Giselle where, I mean, it looks like, it looks like Brady put his wife and his family's needs second and and put football above those and and decided that he would rather play football and that's why he unretired and i don't know i mean it just seems like that led to the downfall of the relationship obviously i don't have any input or any anything further to analyze there it just seems like that's what caused it and maybe this is why cole has decided to retire and and be a part of his his kids life and and wife or with his wife. So interesting. Um, Cole Beasley had a great career, great slot receiver. And I feel like that's exactly what the Bucks needed, uh, especially with all the injuries they've had it with Godwin and he had the Mike Evans suspension. So they missed him versus the Packers. I'm sure that contributed to, to why they lost. So, um, and then going into NBA, couple fun things and and then a one not so good thing uh everyone right now is just gushing over victor Wembenyama. hopefully i said that at least close to right uh he's a french prospect in the nba and he is just he looks absolutely insane i mean i've seen his height listed anywhere from seven two to seven foot five and he has over an eight foot wingspan um but he's not like most bigs. I mean, he's not just tall and lanky. I mean, he's dropping threes, making pull-up threes. I think he went 7 for 11 from three-point range in his first G League game. Um, but he also has post skills. I mean, he's dribbling the ball up the court. He's He could play any position for real. I mean, I'm not just saying that. It looks like he's a legitimate threat from any spot on the on the basketball court. So that's absolutely insane to see someone with that athleticism as a seven foot two to seven foot five guy with an eight foot wingspan usually guys that tall like Yao Ming uh they're very I don't want to say uncoordinated because they're obviously coordinated but they're usually not as fluid with their motions um not able to move the way that this guy can move and it's weird because he's Although he's like I said, he's listed seven two to seven foot five, depending on which source you look at, and he is listed at two hundred and ten pounds. So like he's thin and super tall. So you would think he would be unable to move like he does, but it's very impressive. And I'm sure every team is going to want to draft this kid. So it's going to be interesting to see how many teams tank uh, trying to get the best opportunity to draft him 
and whichever ball drops <laughs> for the lottery, that team's going to be very happy to get the number one pick, um, assuming health and all that. And that's the only thing that scares me when you see a guy that's seven foot two, seven foot five, if they weigh two hundred pounds. I mean, you saw what happened with Chet Holmgren earlier this season. Uh, he, I can't remember if he tore his ACL, something with his knee. You just worry these tall, thin guys can't stay healthy. So we'll see what happens with that. And then some real bad news that I got out of Warriors camp, and that is after they went to Japan and had such a great bonding trip or whatever, came back and started practicing at home. And I think at this point everyone's probably seen the video. I don't know what sparked the altercation. Uh, It looked like Draymond was off the side of the court standing out of bounds, just barking at Jordan Poole. I don't, it's tough to see what Jordan Poole was, if he was even saying anything back or if he was instigating the whole situation, but Draymond comes and gets up in his face. He pushes Draymond back to get him out of his face. And then Draymond proceeds to absolutely just clock him right in the face. Uh, Jordan Poole drops. And this is not something that you want to see on your your basketball team. I mean, these guys, I don't I don't want to say they have to be friends because they clearly don't. I mean, we have plenty of people that probably don't get along with at, at our places of employment. But at the end of the day, you're on a team, you're trying to accomplish the same goal. You need to at least tolerate each other. And, you know, physical violence is not something you want to see going on between two players on your teams. So I don't know. I mean, obviously Draymond's at fault. He's already apologized and all that. I don't know what what instigated it. There's been some rumors out of Warriors camp that Jordan Poole's kind of been a punk about his whole upcoming extension. Uh, Steph said that's not the case at all. So I'm going to take Steph's word for that uh, and and say that it wasn't Jordan's fault. Uh, obviously he didn't speak necessarily to this situation, but I feel like Draymond is, he knows the end is near. Uh, this is probably going to be their last run or his last run with the Warriors. They're not going to pay him what he wants to make. And if he's going to want to make that, unfortunately he's going to have to go somewhere else. And quite honestly, I think if he's going to try to, or if he wants to make what he's trying to make, I think he's going to have to go to a team that's not going to be in competition for an NBA Finals. And he's past his prime. Um, I know he's still a good player, especially on the defensive side of the basketball, but he's not worth the headache at this point. And that pains me to say because Draymond was one of my favorite players for, I mean, especially that 2015 run, uh, 2017, 2018. He's always been that guy that sets the tone. Um, but this is way over the top. And like I said, the, the play is not where is not worth the distractions at this point. So like I said, I think this will be their final run together as a team. Um, you're going to need to see Wiggins and Steph and, um, Andre Iguodala really step up and get this team back together so we can all be going towards our our eventual goal of winning another championship. So uh, with that being said, I'd really like to get some feedback from you guys uh, going forward. So if you guys want 
Like if you see something in this or if you're listening and you hear something you want to react to, please go to our Twitter feed. We're at Square State Sandlot on Twitter. I think it's abbreviated. Let me check real quick. I'm just going to pull it up. Yeah, so on Twitter, it's at SQ State Sandlot. On Instagram, I believe we're also at SQ State Sandlot. Uh, on Facebook, we're at Square State Sandlot. It's all spelled out. And, I mean, you can get us any of those locations. You can hit us up directly if you want to just chat with us. Uh, Facebook Messenger, that's fine. You can hit the, the page for the, for the podcast on Instagram. Wherever you want to interact with us, please do. Uh, I'm going to put the poll up again for judge to see if he's your home run king um interested to see that probably put another pull up and a clip for broncos fans and see if if you guys are are ready to move on from from nathaniel hackett or if you're preaching patience um but with that being said i do appreciate you guys tuning in hopefully kyle will be able to get on the next one with me and we will catch you on the next one